0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making It Count with Christina and Will, where we explore real ways to make your hard-earned money count today and every day.
1: No matter your financial goals, we want to offer practical tips and insider tricks to help you accomplish them.
0: Along the way, we'll learn from our local financial experts,
1: answer listener-submitted questions,
0: and share our own money experiences.
1: So together, let's Make make It it count. Count. Hey everyone and welcome to Making It Count.
0: Will can you believe that it's already time for our season two finale? Where did the time go?
1: I can't believe, but I also can. Because <laughs> it feels like we've been recording for a very long time. I know, but at the
0: same time, I feel like it just started. Like it's so strange. It's like we were in a little time warp.
1: Yes, I agree. We're gonna be talking about various types of financial scams and how to recognize them today. And we have a terrific guest to walk us through it.
0: We do. I mean, we always have terrific guests, but I think this- Extra special today. Is extra special. Well, I was just reading an article that said that 30 million people in the US fall victim to investment scams every single year with an average loss of $15,000.
1: Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) That is a lot. So Christina, have you ever had someone try to get you to invest in something that sounded off-color?
0: um i have had someone that came to me and was like let me let you know about this impossible in- investment that you can get in with you know and i would lead you through it and you would only have to invest x amount and i'm like mm, no <laughs> no thanks
1: well i'm glad you didn't get scammed no. i didn't want you to get scammed. <laughs> and i
0: don't think it's a scam it's just like for me it was a little pyramid-y mm. like a pyramid scheme so i'm like i'm not gonna walk down that I'm like not a salesperson so like, for me it wouldn't a, have been
1: it's not a pyramid it's inverted <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. have you ever been like try like has anybody tried to get you to do anything like that
1: no I mean you know you get the occasional people trying to get you to buy something from an MLM but like no scams I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's a scam per se no. yeah. you're getting a product so you know but I've I've never been like approached with like investment offer other than like the typical like phishing call like I got a phishing call the other day that was like you've been called by this is this calls from the FBI. And if you don't respond, we're sending this to the court and all this stuff. And I was like, what?
0: Oh, man. But you know what? That wouldn't be a thing if it didn't work.
1: It's you know true. what I mean? It's true.
0: Well, our guest today is our very own executive producer, Lauren Buys.
1: Producer Lauren in the house.
0: Yes. In the house behind the mic. So Lauren, we're going to allow you to introduce yourself.
2: I mean, what else is there to say? I executive (laughs) produced the show. Um, I'm usually behind the scenes. So second time on the mic side. Pretty scared. You guys are intimidating. You do your job so well. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, we are scary. I mean, we're an intimidating I'm very bunch. intimidating. You're so yes. smart now. I mean, two seasons of financial
0: topics. You're that's true. Experts yeah. now. And my thirteenth mortgage payment. We are yeah. the expert
1: <laughs> now. Yeah, you okay. are. I am the you expert. You won't even need <laughs> guests
2: anymore. No more. No, guess. I could interview you. There you that's, go. That's what season there three you go. has season in store. Season three. Just buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> I hope I
1: get the answers right. <laughs> Probably wouldn't.
0: Well, Lauren, we are super happy to be here. So I'm really eager to get started. So let's jump right in and let's get started with a general question about investment and money making schemes. So Lauren, why do you think that people are so vulnerable to them?
2: I mean, if you you just think about it, we all want to feel financially secure and free from really the day to day concern of how to pay the bills and support your family. We all want that financial freedom, that everyone tries to sell and i think that's when someone comes along and really promises an offer that's too good to be true you're hopeful you want to try it and so many people want to believe it and they do it's the sad part
1: yeah it's kind of like that thing like if it's too good to be true it Mm -hmm. probably is yeah like Mm -hmm. no you're not going to get to buy a hundred dollar worth of gift cards and then get like a thousand dollars out of it right like that's that's not going to work. Definitely. So Lauren, then can you tell us like the hallmarks of a scam, how a listener could recognize it? Because some of them are very, very sneaky. It's not mm-hmm. usually as basic as I just said.
2: Mm-hmm. Or it is like on face value. If the deal seems too good to be true, you should put you know your glasses on and really take a second look at it and see, OK, let's go through and really determine if, if this is what I should be putting my money into and really we know what the traditional ways are of making money and investing and in things like CDs. They're secure. They've been tried, true, and tested, and they're from legit companies. That's something where you know you're going to get the return that they say you're going to get. But anytime someone offers you an, an investment opportunity where it above 10%, you should definitely do a double take and be like, okay, how are you, do you plan on getting 10% return? That's a little too good to be true.
0: So let's start off by the one I have heard about, but I don't really know too much about the origins of it. The Ponzi scheme. So uh, Lauren, can you
2: tell us about that? I would love to. And I went down a rabbit hole learning all about (laughs) Charles Ponzi. (laughs) So it's like, he's actually a per like it's named after a person. Yes. So he wasn't um, back in the early 1900s, and he actually wasn't the first one to come up with what we now call Ponzi schemes, but he was the one to make it the most widespread. He was the first one to really get all those headlines and really mm. make it popular and well known.
1: He was an influencer. He was an
2: influencer. In he a was, bad
1: He way. was ahead of his time.
0: Very, very it bad. It makes me think of like I don't know if you guys ever saw the Music Man, the play. Yes. That was all. Of you
1: don't me. think I've seen the Music Man? I
0: was in the Music Man in high school. Who did you play? I was like a, a supporting cast member, but still, I loved that play. But it makes me I think was of that
1: Mary and the librarian. No,
0: I wish, I wish. No, I wasn't that good. But it makes me think of that. It was that
2: play was totally a Ponzi scheme. Yeah,
1: he was a snake oil salesman type. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's exactly what it was. So a Ponzi scheme is really where a type, it's a type of investment fraud where investors are promised a specific return on, an, on their investment, but that investment isn't real. The person perpetrating the Ponzi scheme just takes the money and uses it for their own personal good or to pay back previous investors. And so they are, they're always constantly trying to get new investors to pay back the old one. So the later you are into the Ponzi scheme, the more basically ripped off you get. Sometimes the early investors do see more of a return than the ones that are later on in in, in the scheme, but it's it is still a scheme. And just a little bit more about Charles Ponzi. So he was promising his clients a fifty percent return what? in forty-five days. <gasps> so again, too good to be true. Just put your glasses on and take a second look. And he was also promising a hundred percent return in ninety days. Really? Yeah, and people believed him. So that's
1: that's crazy. Wow.
2: And what was he investing in? Like, what was he selling? So they're called postal reply coupons which I'm not from the early 1900s, so I don't really know what those were used for, but basically what you could do is buy discounted ones from other countries and then sell them here in the US or Canada for face value. So he would make a little bit of a markup buying them from foreign countries and then selling them here in the US. So he would buy them on behalf of, the, of his clients and then sell them here for his purported 50% return. Really, he was just pocketing it or using it to pay back people that had invested previously. Wow. So tell us more about Mr. Ponzi. So yeah, the, the really interesting thing is he lost about twenty million dollars, <gasps> which back then twenty million—it's a lot of money in today's money. That's two hundred and fifty million dollars. Wow, is how much he lost, which I think is crazy. And he used that money to buy a mansion in Massachusetts, so he was living the good life. He bought a loco mobile, which was like the finest car of that time. So he, yeah, La he balled da. out. Man.
1: I like the name of that. The Locomobile. The
2: Locomobile. That's what you drive, Will.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the Locomobile. My 2010. Don't bring up my Corolla. <laughs> How dare you? Keep her name out of your mouth. <laughs> oh
2: my. And one thing that I think was really kind of ironic when I was reading through this story is a Boston financial writer actually wrote about this scheme, he noticed what Ponzi was up to and was trying to call him out. And Ponzi was able to sue him for libel. (gasps) And he won $500,000 by suing this journalist um, because they couldn't prove that what he was doing at that time. And the the burden of proof is on the journalist. So it, it ended up working out in Ponzi's favor. So it's kind of ironic that someone figured him out, but he actually won money from it (laughs) for damages. So did he ever get caught? Yes. Yep. So he had federal charges against him in the U.S. and Canada and eventually went to prison and his health deteriorated really bad and he ended up dying pretty quickly. So karma, I don't know, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm.
2: That's incredible. So what is an example of someone in modern day time that would be the equivalent of a charles ponzi so i think like one of the most famous examples in modern history and it's, it's really interesting that we're recording this podcast today is bernie madoff because he actually mm. passed away this morning so yeah he's the most widespread popular ponzi scheme schemist architect do you know <laughs> how ever.
1: i found out that bernie madoff passed away today
2: i have a feeling because i saw your instagram <laughs> yeah
1: it's a really fun way there's a twitter account called liza minnelli outlives And anytime something happens where maybe a famous person passes away or a fad dies or something happens, they always post Liza Minnelli outlived X. And I found Mm -hmm. out today because I saw the tweet that said Liza Minnelli has outlived Bernie Madoff.
0: (laughs) Now I need to go follow that.
1: It's a really interesting account. (laughs) She's outlived a lot of things. Stay up to date on current
2: events. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's how I get my news.
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's not the worst way, honestly. Oh, man. It's all
1: factual. Yeah. She 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 did did. outlive (laughs) him today.
2: She also
0: outlived skinny jeans and side parts, but we can get past that. I would just like to point out my
2: middle part. You you do. Producer Lauren Um, is being very current. I know. She's so trendy. I'm trying to defy it because my birthday is coming up next week. So I'm I'm with you. (laughs) Trying to defy it. (laughs) Yeah. So back to Bernie Madoff. He actually lost 65 million billion. Excuse me with a b billion dollars. Billion. Wow. Yeah. And they gave him a 150 year prison sentence. He was already older gentleman when this happened, so it was more of a symbolic gesture of, hey, you really messed up.
1: You're you're never getting out of yeah, this. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I watched a film, and like it was like an HBO film about him, and I was just, like really excited cuz it like looked really dramatic and it had good actors and I was like, "Oh, this will be good." And I was hoping they would, like, start with, like, the origin of, like, how the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. And it might have built up to that. I didn't finish it because <laughs> I was immediately turned off. Because they started with him, like, within five minutes of it starting, you hear him go, yep, I did it. It was all a scam. I was, like, I was like, wait a minute, what? I was like, they didn't even build up. <laughs> no. Like, I don't even care about this guy yet. I don't, like, no. And they
2: gave away the they, No,
1: I I hope our listeners out there don't hate me for saying that. I didn't care for it. So we know about Bernie Madoff, but I worry a little that our listeners will hear $65 billion and mm-hmm. think, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not investing that kind of money. No. <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know what Christina's doing.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, speak for yourself. <laughs> who
1: knows? Christina might be a billionaire. We don't know. Um, but I know you have an example of a scheme that might be a little more relatable to our listeners at the moment.
2: I do. And this one I picked especially for you guys, because I know we have a super big Hamilton fan <gasps> in the room. That's me.
1: That's it's Christina. shocking that it's not me. <laughs>
2: i know you love the music man so much but like
0: hamilton is like oh wow like my jam
1: i haven't seen it (gasps) what
0: okay we're gonna have to do a meet up where we're eating taco bell while watching hamilton
2: on disney Disney plus Plus. yes
1: that sounds like a fever dream
2: It's so, okay, Lauren, what happened with Hamilton? <laughs> okay, so it's called The Hamilton Ponzi Scheme, and it involves, obviously, the Broadway musical Hamilton. And back in 2015, Hamilton had just moved from being off-Broadway to Broadway, and it was a huge hit. Tickets were impossible to get. And this man named Joseph Malay was known to be the guy in New York who could get his friends tickets to really any show or concert. So this guy, he was a New York event promoter and a Hampton socialite. So he he lived this life. People trusted that, you know, if you wanted tickets to whatever the coolest hit thing is, he could get you in there. He actually ran a concert series that featured Billy Joel, Prince, James Taylor. Wow. Where it cost $3,000 a ticket to get into this concert venue. So he was the man. Mm-hmm. He seemed legit. And I think that's really what starts Yeah, I've seen f- him at
1: parties around. You know, I've been there. I've seen him. It's
2: fine. <laughs> yeah. You were there, am. Will. Yeah. <laughs> Did you lose money in the po- Hamilton Ponzi scheme? <laughs> no, so he's much. never seen Hamilton. <laughs> that's
1: yeah. why I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> well, that's
2: why he never saw it is because it was all fake. But right. uh, why I have to work uh, now. Yeah. But really, I mean, he had photos of him partying with executives and celebrities and so he really was the guy. And I think that's really what makes a hallmark of a Ponzi scheme is the person that's reaching out to you really seems like they they know what they're doing. They seem legit. So that's that's one thing to be careful of is again, if it's too good to be true.
1: And he's like so visible. He's a socialite, why wouldn't I trust him? Exactly, Everybody's doing right. it. Exactly. And everything
2: like, that he's
0: said he's gonna do has been done. Like mm-hmm. the trust is there.
2: Yeah. Basically, he told potential investors that he knew the producer of Hamilton and had an opportunity to buy 35,000 tickets to the show, just a a block of them. So in reality, he actually did reach out to the producer of Hamilton, but the producer was like, no, we're not selling you 35,000 tickets. That's ridiculous. (laughs) So his plan was to use the money from the investors to buy the tickets, which then he would then resell for a 10% markup. Um, guaranteeing, again, guaranteeing that 10% return for all the investors. But 35,000 tickets, like that just seems like an
0: absurd amount. Like I couldn't even, we had to go to Chicago to get two tickets mm-hmm. to go see Hamilton. Like how do you score? And it's not a, like from what I was told, the theater in New York didn't seat that many people. Like it wasn't a None big None of them really did. No. So how in the world could you guarantee 35,000 tickets at the hottest show on Broadway?
2: And that's wow. that's the thing is that's how great his rep was. If you say you're you're this man and you say that you know the producer of Hamilton and have these tickets, no one was questioning it. Even though the theater, like you said, only holds about thirteen hundred people. Okay, yeah, I thought it was really small. <laughs> yeah. So you'd have to book. I think I did the math: twenty six performances <laughs> of the show to reach thirty five thousand tickets.
0: Wow. So it's just
2: yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Mm. But again, it's just based all on this guy's reputation. And really, one of the most well-known people to fall victim to the scheme was Michael Dell, CEO of Dell Technologies. So again, it can happen to anyone. Wow. And he's a smart guy. And he mm-hmm. felt, wow. So Gotta was get he, a Dell, dude. I'm assuming that he was caught, though. Yes. Yeah, so his scheme lasted about two years. Wow. And eventually he was caught.
1: But I mean, it's really crazy how like somebody who's like the CEO of such a well-known company mm-hmm. who you would automatically just kind of think in your mind, that's got to be like a pretty smart person. Fell right. victim to something. And really, it probably didn't impact him all that much, hopefully. But that's what we're saying. It's a scam. It, it, you're not going to know immediately. Maybe right. you, you might have a feeling, but like it could be somebody that you know really well. It could be somebody that you even trust.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And he had he had two accomplices, too, that were uh, part of this scheme. And they were investment fun people so again it's all on the reputation people just trusted what they were saying and really 10 percent doesn't sound that ridiculous when you think of people buying tickets and like scalping them you can yeah get. it's not insane yeah. like a
1: 50 percent return or something like mm-hmm. you know that's an automatic like oh, Red flag. That. Yeah. you know mm-hmm. okay so so now we've heard some of the most famous ponzi schemes can you run down the hallmarks of a ponzi scheme and how our listeners can avoid being caught up into one of these
2: Of course. So the primary hallmark is that it's an investment scheme that's promising a return and it may publicize higher than average returns. So I mentioned Bernie Madoff earlier and his company attracted new investors by publicizing returns that, quote unquote, beat the market year after year. So people should always be skeptical of guaranteed returns. And like we've said a million times, returns that seem too good to be true. Yeah, because
1: when you normally, when you invest anything, outside of just a standard like bank savings account when you go in and actually invest they usually say up front like this is not guaranteed Not guaranteed no Mm -hmm.
0: that's i mean not
1: insured it's nothing
0: mm -hmm. even with my roth ira you have to sign all these documents saying like it is not guaranteed that you're going to be make like making x amount yeah
2: Mm -hmm. and something else i read is you know if you ask them okay but how how do you plan to beat the market a lot of the times they make it seem mysterious and they don't directly answer your questions it's so complicated
1: i don't mm-hmm. need you i don't need to bog you yeah. down with the details we do this
2: all the time and they'll throw around big names too. i might be
1: really good at this
2: yeah <laughs> oh. be careful oh, no Lauren. this was bad i was <laughs> educating I have an opportunity the
1: wrong thing for
0: you <laughs> oh man so like what's the difference between a ponzi scheme and then a pyramid scheme or are they interchangeable
2: or is it the same thing So they are different. So in a Ponzi scheme, the scammer repays early investors with money from later investors. A pyramid scheme is a scheme where the company behind it earns money primarily from recruiting new people into the scheme. So typically there's some sort of company or product behind what you're selling, not just, oh, we're going to invest your money in X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm.
1: So there might be something actually tangible in it.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And really with the pyramid scheme, the person at the top is the tip of the pyramid and membership, the more they recruit, increases exponentially as each new recruit brings in new people. Mm. So that's the idea behind is the more people you bring in, the more money gets shared around. And eventually you will make a percentage off of what the people you're recruiting bring in. Okay, that makes sense.
1: And the person at the top keeps getting more.
2: More, right. So what's an example of a pyramid scheme? So really probably one of the most famous pyramid schemes was back in 2013 with a company called Fortune High Tech Marketing.
1: Very real name.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It sounds super legit. I'm already sold. It's kind of like Seinfeld.
0: It's like I'm invent. What is it? He's um, import export dealer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Or like any of like the Looney Tunes companies. They were always like Acme. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they're a Kentucky-based company, and they called themselves a multi-level marketing company, which, again, is different from a pyramid scheme on paper. So it recruited people to sell a bunch of different products, including cell phone providers, dish network, home security systems, and even health and beauty products. And basically, the salespeople would recruit and pay between $100 and $300 in annual fees, plus any payments to get access to higher sales commissions and recruiting bonuses. So anytime they ask you to put in this sort of upfront investment, that's when you know you might want to take a step back and be like, okay, what am I actually investing in and why do I need to have so much upfront? Just something to question in that regard. I don't think I've ever heard about that one. How many, like how big did it get? How many people were involved? And that's what's crazy is 350,000 people in the United States and Canada bought into the scheme. Wow,
0: Wow. i never even
2: heard of it. Hmm. Maybe because it sounds legit. I mean, it doesn't. And they're giving
0: like they're selling products that are legitimate Real products. products like cell phones and, and security systems and dish like those are all tangible things.
1: For yeah, like you're products. getting a product out of it. You're not just handing over money, and getting nothing.
0: Right, A trusting product mm-hmm. that you already have built, you know, a trust on it.
2: And one thing I had read when I was looking into this is, take, for example, Dish Network. They didn't even know that this company was basically reselling their products. So they didn't have direct connections with some of these companies. So they were using their name without permission from these larger companies, sort of to add to their reputation of being a legit company. Man. Mm -hmm.
1: So, okay, I know that you said that people earn money from recruiting new people. So the more people you get in, the higher up you get. Did anyone actually make money selling these products?
2: So in this case, very few people did. The company itself released numbers that revealed that 95% of its sales reps earned less than three grand per year. And almost 30% earned absolutely nothing at all, but they still had to pay those annual fees to even get into the program. So they were investing money and made absolutely zero on it. Wow. Yeah,
1: 3,100 isn't gonna give anybody... (laughs) No. Financial security, not in this economy, no. No, no. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But
0: I think the thing that is, like if you were ever going to own a franchise, like if I ever wanted to own my own McDonald's or my own uh, Chick-fil-A, which we talk a lot about, I do have to put money into it to be able to be a franchisee. So that almost like makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, I have to buy in to be Mm -hmm. part of the investment. So I can see how people can get. Suck like sucked into the idea of being your own boss yeah, it's and almost owning like,
1: a part mm-hmm. of it it's almost like the guise of like I'm making a smart business decision mm-hmm. because look at like you have to put you know put the investment in to get right. it back you mm-hmm. know you're not just gonna yeah
2: and I think mm. it's again looking at the structure of the company and how how does the company make money and how would you make money Right. you know if you open up a Chick-fil-A you're making money because you're running a retail you're store making money because
1: <laughs> chick <you're>
2: Chick-fil-A because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have the most efficient drive through on the planet Not because you're getting ten percent of whatever your recruits get who get it. So
1: I mean, literally, that drive-through is like it's like a spectacle. (laughs) I know. And I and I worked at a Chick-fil-A, and like I (laughs) we sort of did that a little bit, but not like it is today. (laughs) I pull up, and I'm like, there are 500 employees out here helping us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So $3,100 is not going to come close in me leaving my full-time job to do this. That doesn't even cover what I'd have to pay in daycare cost a year to actually do the job. So, Lauren, you got to clarify this for Mm -hmm. me. What is the difference between a pyramid scheme and then an MLM? Mm -hmm. And what is an MLM?
2: (laughs) Yes. So, an MLM is a multi level marketing structure company. okay, And really, the lines kind of get blurred here. And I'm sure if you've known anyone who participates in an MLM, they love to talk about how it's not a pyramid scheme and they will defend it to their last dying breath, which, again, if that's your choice, that's that's your choice and that's fine. There are some legit ones out there. But really, the, the lines are blurred here and just like a pyramid scheme, the company's at the top and all the sales reps kind of layer in under it in a widening level underneath. And I don't know if you guys have seen the the office episode, or it's like a cold open where Michael's trying to get his coworkers to join his get rich quick scheme. <laughs> Um, by basically selling calling cards and everyone's making fun of him like no one uses calling cards anymore like what even is that and he's trying to recruit everyone else to join him and they really challenge him like hey this is a pyramid scheme and he doesn't believe him so he goes up to try and draw like okay no see here's here's the idea behind it you start with one person you start recruiting these other people to sell and they recruit more and he has all these dashes on the whiteboard and Jim goes up and draws a big triangle around it and Michael's like okay, you're right. (laughs) So really all it takes is just to take a step back. Sometimes you get caught up so much in what's my return on investment? What can I actually make from this that you don't think things through clearly?
1: (laughs) I've seen that and that it always kind of comes down to that. Like even if it's the inverted triangle, I've seen episodes Mm -hmm. of TV shows where they do that. They're like, flip it upside down. It's a triangle. (laughs) Um, But the MLMs are legal, right? Like that's a a legal business
2: they are they are although there's a lot of people out there that think they shouldn't be but mlms have great lobbyists but you know when the products are decent and they stick around a lot of time people can legitimately earn money you are selling selling products and that you make a return on some examples of mlms that have been around for a long time and are completely legit mary kay tupperware avon beachbody pamper My chef mom loves a tupperware Oh, really? ML I didn't know Beachbody work. was an MLM.
0: Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I just thought they did on-demand workouts. But
2: who's selling you those on-demand workouts? Facebook. Facebook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I am. Sh- <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I it's definitely, well I mean, the Mary
0: Kay, the pink Cadillac. Mm-hmm. That is like classic. Like, I remember seeing pink Cadillacs. If I like see down. Mary
1: Kay on a car and it's not a pink Cadillac, they mm-hmm. didn't sell enough.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but those I'm are kidding, all I'm legit. Yeah. Kind of, like people make money from
2: those, they do, mm-hmm. and that's that's why those are legal and they're not shady. They've been around for a long time, but there are shady ones, and I think one of the ones that's been in the news most recently is Lularoe. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you don't know about them, um, their products are those you know colorful women's clothing in kind of modest styles. Um, those and leggings. Those leggings, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so in 2017, they had more than 80,000 quote-unquote individual distributors selling their clothes. And really what happened was uh, the issue that kind of came up first is that the clothes aren't that well made. Tons of people were posting pictures of ripped leggings and shirts on social media. And it can be hard to sell that stuff when people scroll down their Instagram feed and see a dozen examples of products falling apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, and especially in the age of social media, and I think we all know this, like if your product isn't up to par, you're going to get ripped to shreds mm-hmm. very quickly on mm-hmm. social media, um, especially if you're promising things that aren't there. And like mm-hmm. fast fashion is a huge thing. But a lot of us, I think, especially as once you've had a few experiences with fast fashion. I won't even name the companies we are all thinking of. <laughs> um, you quickly realize it's not really worth it. You might as well spend the the higher price. You might as well buy that higher price item that is going to last mm-hmm. you and you don't have to worry about it.
2: it. It brings up questions of why Why are your products so poorly made? Yeah. And why am I spending so much to get them?
1: So, okay, but we, so we know that their products are poorly made. Mm-hmm. What about the people selling it? What happened to them after this broke that, Wow these leggings are terrible,
2: yeah. and I, I think what it what started with is any new distributor had to make a significant upfront investment to buy inventory. So they were pushing people to buy between five to nine thousand dollars worth of inventory and have that on hand. And there was actually an official recommendation that representatives should keep about twenty grand of inventory on hand, wow, yeah,
1: that is insane
2: <laughs> i did when we were talking about mlms
0: because i didn't know that's what they were called there was a time where like my facebook feed was full of people that were mm-hmm. selling lularoe and then suddenly it all disappeared so i went and did like a deep dive like i went down that that cavernous isn't <laughs> it kind of like, fun that
1: their uh, name is LulaRo lularoe and it sounds very similar to another company that's famous for leggings
0: yes. yeah i think they came afterwards though and lularoe was named after the woman's granddaughters the, mm. the beginning of the women's grand. It just sounds so.
1: It just sounds so similar. It was hard to like. I don't know.
0: Like, come on. But I wondered about that, and I, I. It's did. Like me starting
1: like Lulu Limes.
0: <laughs> I would buy those, but the quality is there. Like, Ooh,
1: I could start an MLM with you.
0: <laughs> there you go. Let's go. <laughs> and then you guys are going to try to get me to do it. Yeah. Like I know so many people, not directly, but indirectly lost a lot of money through it because yeah. they never knew what inventory they were going to get in. So like mm-hmm. you would order X amount of leggings and X amount of sizes, but you never knew what you were getting.
1: Well, and then think about it this way. The Instagram feed starts breaking. The products aren't good. Nobody yep. wants to buy your product and you now have $20,000 worth mm-hmm. of inventory on hand. Yeah.
0: Like I read the article that That's I read this woman had lost, Lost it all like she every every dime that she made she had to reinvest because oh. the people above her were encouraging her oh well you'll sell more if you have more inventory mm-hmm. so that's one of the lawsuits that have come out that they felt pressured to do it and she actually went into like fifty thousand dollars worth of debt oh, oh my god and she ended up just selling all the items for like a dollar because mm-hmm. she just had to get rid of them. Yeah because you would get half of half or more of the inventory that you would get in was not sellable. So Mm -hmm. you would just keep you'd be encouraged to buy more of the product to get a very finite amount of sellable pieces. Mm. So you end up getting stuck with all these unsellable items. Oh, it was so sad. Well,
2: and what I think is sad. I mean, yes, you're fifty thousand dollars in debt, but they. I feel like they prey on. You know, I'm a woman myself, and I. I want this need, have this need to feel financially independent and mm-hmm. want to live the kind of lifestyle that I want, that I see on my Instagram feed of, oh, not working that nine to five. I just you know sell clothes to my friends. Like, they prey on people. That was one of the lawsuits that that
0: came out they said Mm -hmm. they particularly preyed on stay-at-home moms Mm -hmm. or women that were wanting to make extra income for Mm -hmm. their families and now there's there's like billions of dollars worth of lawsuits out there because of it it's really sad
2: yes and actually in in 2017 there was a billion dollar class action lawsuit filed by people in california who claimed that the company advised individual distributors to borrow money Max out their credit cards and even sell breast milk to buy inventory. Wow. Yeah. I Can didn't you imagine about that? someone telling you to do that? That's. That's how you know. I mean, there's many red flags, <laughs> and even the lady in Don't the article was like,
0: the red flags were crazy, but she's like, I was in the middle of it, yeah. and I just bought into it. Yeah,
1: when you're in the heat of it, and you're also put under a lot of financial strain. Oh yeah,
2: mm-hmm. like there's
1: peer pressure, there's financial. you you may have already invested something in it, and you feel mm-hmm. like you've got to try to swim out of it, and like yep. you're already buried so deep, and, and you're
0: so like you have like they were encouraged to do it all on social media so now you Your have this reputation and family, no. mm-hmm. everyone knows and you don't want to be like the one who had to come out and say well i fit this, I I this was a failure so you just keep doing it more mm-hmm. oh it's so sad mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: or that i or that you may have made a mistake like it's yeah. it's terrible all around it's horrible and those people were ultimately like they were fell victim to something mm-hmm. and it's yeah. very sad yeah
2: Unfortunately, the class action is still pending, but um, they were also sued by their chief clothing supplier, which claimed that they were financially insolvent and running a shell game to avoid paying their debts. Yeah, so just a lot of, you know, you start unraveling behind the scenes and start to see really how messed up everything is. But the state of Washington settled a lawsuit for $4.74 million, which was divided among their distributors in that state. So now they have to publish accurate income projections on their website. They can't skew those numbers. And if you go to their website, you can actually see that the median annual income of a distributor is only $1,444.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Man. I can't get over how like how many people were affected by that. Mm -hmm. And recently, that wasn't a long time ago. Like that was very recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with some more questions and see how we can evaluate investments and money making opportunities in the future. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome back. I want to start with something that stands out to me about both pyramid schemes and MLMs, now that we've also learned the difference. Isn't there a point, Lauren, where you can't you just can't recruit new representatives or investors? Like there comes a point where like you you just can't keep going with it.
2: Yeah, and that's that's a great question. It's it's so important to the kind of theory behind these schemes. I mean, people who join have to be willing to relentlessly hound everyone they know. I know we've all got those DMs in our Facebook or our Instagram from friends who have pressured to do that. And really, who wants to be that person? And you know, when I was gathering information about these schemes, I found a page on the Michigan Attorney General's website that showed exactly how ridiculous the claims of unlimited income are. So say you're the first person in in your area to join an MLM, how many rounds of recruiting do you think it would take to max out your earning potential if each new recruit bought in just two additional representatives?
0: Hmm, oh, I can't math. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it would depend on the population. Like if you're in a small town, there is an unlimited amount of people in that town that you could recruit. So I guess it would depend on if you're in a big city or a small town.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So just after 10 rounds of recruiting, you'd be at over a 1,000 recruits. So if you're in a small town with not a 1,000 people, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. By 20 rounds, you'd be at over a million people. Um, by 28, the number would encompass every man, woman, and child in the United States. So again, mm. just thinking back to the the foundational aspects of how the company is structured and what they're asking you to do, you can do the math and realize it's just impossible. People really need to be aware of market saturation before they join an MLM. So not everyone will want to join and not everyone will want to buy the products. And people do leave the MLMs all the time.
1: Well, and I think like, you know, I, I have talked to some people I know who've been involved in MLMs at one point or another, and they were in it for either a set period of time, or they might even still be in it. But in some way, they got something out of it. And some of those people did enjoy the work mm-hmm. or the friends they made. Like, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard some people tell me, like, oh, my God, they like, I actually made good friendships through this because I talked and met mm-hmm. other people. So with that being said, you know, considering we've talked about some reputable companies like Avon and Mary mm-hmm. Kay, mm-hmm. what would you say is the single most important thing that people can do to protect themselves from a bad mm-hmm. opportunity?
2: Exactly. And, I, and I, I like that you brought that up, Will, because... There are legit companies out there, and I think there are benefits outside of just monetary gain from doing networking like this. And obviously, there are opportunities outside of MLMs to do networking and making friends. But if that's your avenue to do it, then better for you just make sure you're protecting your financial assets as well. But to answer your question, I would say that research really is at the top of the list. And you know, don't just read a few articles. Or if someone's sharing, you know, information about a company and they're participating in it, it, do your own outside research. Crunch those numbers like we had talked about, and really look at the income projections on their website. Um, You know, like we had mentioned before with Lularoe, less than three percent of distributors made more than seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Man. And that, like,
0: I bet you the people that join think, well, I could be that three mm-hmm. percent. Like, I could make seventy five thousand dollars. Exactly. Well, we all like
1: to think we're special,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Which I am. I mean,
1: yes, you <laughs> and, are, for and sure. you <laughs> both are. Yes. Aww, you
2: like how he tried to butter us up? He did very, mm-hmm. very good.
1: I'm just more special.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. Americans as a as a rule just are hopeful. We like to live in the American dream. Yeah, and...
1: that's an opportunity. Maybe mm-hmm. it's my big break, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll have a success. Yeah. Well, I think this has been absolutely great to hear about. So thank you so much for coming Yay. behind the mic.
2: Yay, Lauren!
1: It's been weird because I keep looking at the chair that you normally sit in. And, and there's no editing. one there that no one I can, there. like, look at and make faces at. like, <laughs> Or, like, point my little paper at. And yeah, you two
0: are and- usually teaming up against me so it's kind of nice that
1: is a a vile accusation (laughs) That (laughs) is. I am I am offended
2: Christina you know I give you all the fun questions that's true really
0: offended
1: girl power girl power
2: (laughs) it's so nice having
0: you on our side of the table and thank you on our side of the microphone actually (laughs) thank you for all the hard work that you do you put everything together you and Greenhouse and thank (laughs) you to Addition Financial for continuing to let us do this fun podcast and, and all that, so thank you so much for being here. You guys make my job easy, Yeah, so thank you. And thanks to Resonate Recordings for editing our podcast <laughs> and all that. We have so much to like shout out and thank all of the people that came on and became mm-hmm. co-hosts or, or guests. We had some great guests this year, this season.
1: We really did, we had a lot of great ones. Yeah,
0: so I hope you guys all enjoyed it, but thank you, Lauren, so much for everything that you did. Of course, thanks, thanks for And you have to keep doing. All right, well, now it's time for our favorite segment called What What Did did We we Learn learn Today? today? Okay, so for me, it was a big realization about, like, I didn't know what MLMs were. I just see them all the time, like the oil, essential oils and, and the... Nail sticker things and like I've seen them, but I never knew really what they were called And it was interesting how Lauren was able to explain what the difference is between an MLM and a pyramid scheme and the things to look And to see the difference and how to be careful not to get involved in a pyramid scheme
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I learned to not, you know, put my Vast amount of money out there (laughs) So easily (laughs) It's it's tough when you have so much money like I do mm-hmm. to to really not fall for some of these schemes.
0: Oh, get out of here. <laughs>
1: <I'm kidding. laughs> I did think it was very interesting, the difference, because the difference between a pyramid scheme and an MLM, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. I will acknowledge that. I think we all can agree. But it is a fine line. So I think it's very it's a weird place for people to get into because is it really going to help you? Or are you going to break even at best? I don't you know, yeah. it it really is a personal thing. But like I said at the beginning, my mom swears by Tupperware. Yeah. So.
0: I mean, yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I my mom always bought Mary Kay and Avon. Avon, yeah. Yeah. So they always are... had the
1: little catalog sitting around.
0: Yes, always.
1: All right, Christina. That is a wrap on season two. Oh
0: my gosh. I can't believe it.
1: I know. Neither can I. But until next time.
0: Yes. We are going to start preparing for our next season. But for now... We'll see you next time on Making Making It Count.
1: And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count.
0: If you learned something new were inspired to reach your financial goals,
1: or just found us entertaining,
0: please subscribe, share, or rate and review us on your favorite podcast app.
1: And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making Making It it count. Count.